0: Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to regulatory pressures to marketing strategies. Sales of food and beverage online may be lagging significantly behind those of other consumer packaged goods, but analysts expect them to pick up exponentially in the coming years meaning now is the time for brands and manufacturers to develop a game plan for marketing across channels. According to IRI, food and beverage accounted for only 0.8 percent or about four billion dollars of all CPG sales online in 2015. However, in a recent report, the market research firm predicted sales of food and beverage online will climb quickly to 2.7 percent or about 15 billion dollars in 2020 and 5.5%, or $31 billion, in 2022. As this happens, content solution provider OneWorldSync says manufacturers and retailers must learn how to better identify, capture, and share product content across channels in order to promote and protect their brands. If they don't, they risk losing share of the 23.4% trillion dollars in worldwide e-commerce sales predicted for 2017 a number that will likely continue to climb with each passing year to better understand the full extent of the opportunity offered by cross-channel commerce and how companies can position themselves to best capitalize on this market potential as well as what challenges they must overcome I chatted with Ken Yance, One World Sync's Global Vice President of Transformation Management. Based on a survey of 400 manufacturers and retailers that One World Sync commissioned and recently published, Ken painted a pretty grim picture of companies' preparedness, or complete lack thereof, to capitalize on the opportunities e-commerce and a global channel marketing offer.
1: The best way to describe the current state of the landscape is evolving it uh it is you know certainly high on everybody's uh radar people are aware of it uh, there they're, they're are they're at various stages of engagement with e-commerce but a lot of discussion still around you know, the right strategy Unfortunately,
0: Ken said, you know, many uh, of these initial efforts are falling flat,
1: and, and possibly
0: because uh, manufacturers the the and retailers and do not understand fully that the ability to buy products to, uh, online you know, is no about, longer a choice uh, that is simply you know, nice for consumers to have.
1: Uh, it's one they expect. In, in Bringing the online experience together in, in, uh, with the overall customer experience for you know, the brick and mortars. you know, historically, technology really goes mainstream when it ceases to be about the technology, and it becomes a lifestyle. Uh, Great example in the automotive industry are things like, you know, airbags and turn signals, who once upon a time were considered pretty innovative technologies. But nowadays, no one even talks about them, right? It's not a not even a factor in a purchasing decision. You just assume that you know you're gonna buy a car, it's gonna have airbags. So it's kind of where we are I think in the in the e commerce. So just how is, bad are companies' attempts to meet consumer demand for, for e commerce? And well, it, it,
0: according to a survey, nearly half of the companies of and retailers surveyed lost more than $1 million in revenue
1: due to e-commerce challenges, and more can than can 1 on in 10 have lost
0: more than $3 uh, it's just million. how people
1: expect to interact with each other and with businesses, so it's really about the, the lifestyle choices we have today. And so what we found for key problems was that uh, first and foremost, there's a knowledge gap that exists, and and sort of a lack of clarity on vision for a lot of companies in this space. And as we alluded to earlier, it's it's very much an evolving piece of the puzzle. So there's there's a little disconnect between you know understanding the, the core business of commerce as most companies are today, and the complexities that come with adding the multi-channel approach, where you start to roll in e-commerce and mobile and social marketing and social commerce, and uh, becomes a much more complex model. And so, I think a lot of organizations are struggling to to build or create the expertise to understand, you know, the the various channels and how they all work together. So, the knowledge gap was was a key finding of you know some of the hurdles they're facing. And probably as a as a, a symptom of that was kind of a lack of willingness to to make a full financial commitment. We saw a, a real difference in the, the uh, percent of investments from some of the uh, you know, middle of the road type uh, organizations versus what we call market leaders, which were identified as companies that really uh, have more than 51% of their revenue coming in through a, an e-commerce model. And the market leaders were investing at a much higher rate, uh, upwards of 30% or more of their digital marketing or digital uh, investments were being spent on the specifics of e-commerce versus, uh, you know, 25% or less in uh, most cases for the companies that were doing a much less. So the, the change is, you know, you have to to take the leap of faith. You have to to have the vision, see the the potential, and be willing to invest your money to build on the infrastructure and things needed for the the e-commerce if you expect to to really be a leader in that. So the other challenge I think was you know maintaining good quality content that that seemed to be common across everybody, and you know the e-commerce model is so dependent upon uh, product content and information available at a click of a button. Uh, that, you know, there's a, a real need for good quality content, not only the acquisition of good quality product content, but the ability to maintain it and and keep it consistent uh, over time. And we saw a gap there between the market leaders and, and the rest of them. Uh, that was pretty considerable in the terms that the market leaders were using third-party product content. The other
0: major challenge that survey that revealed were significant them, gaps in um, basic to, infrastructure, to including the inability of fifty-one percent of, of retailers of to support in, mobile so to commerce and eighty percent are unable to manage business, product do, information do across best channels.
1: Best for partners, this
0: means the omni-channel marketing for many players is nothing more than a pipe
1: dream at this point. But the survey
0: results weren't all bad. Ken explained that there were several lessons learned from market leaders which manufacturers and retailers can adopt. The first is manufacturers and retailers that are succeeding across channels including in e-commerce are committed to using a third-party content provider.
1: We live in this world where there's no such thing as an unanswered question. People are demanding more and more information about the products we buy and and the companies that make them and where they come from and so forth. So it's really uh, become a a life of its own within an organization. So the the benefit to a third-party product content provider is – that's what they do, and, and certainly it's part of our role at One World Sync. That's what we do, and so you know we were very uh, excited to hear the the, uh, the opportunity because we we see it as a, a really strong opportunity uh, to make the, the whole world of commerce and and the, the global experience that people are having much more uh, concise and unified. You've got to have content you can trust, and so if it's not your core business, if it's something that you do along with other things, it's very difficult to, to maintain a, a source. Of Ken added that hiring
0: a third party content, content provider also is easily scalable, meaning it changing, isn't just an option and, for the big guys, nature, but one that smaller companies and, and startups uh, also can pursue.
1: So, uh, it's a real opportunity, I think, to to help in that space by creating that uh, that trusted source of product content for people to use, and uh, that's why we think you know outsourcing it. Uh, is a great idea I think it's I think it's very scalable right I, it, it, it it is you know certainly driven by uh, the amount of content you're looking for and and uh, what your needs are for refreshing it and so forth but the beauty of the whole you know cloud-based environment is it's very agile it's very cost effective it has a a, a low total cost of ownership factor so uh, it it really not not to there are a lot of other factors in in competing obviously but it, it somewhat levels the playing field in that You know, a small, agile company who's able to... Ken's reference there uh, to the cloud brings us to the second lesson learned from market leaders. Embrace the cloud. uh, Can compete very well with, you know, any company of any size uh, just because, you know, uh, their ability to be flexible. So I think there's certainly challenges, but I I think it's good for all startups as well as, you know, some of the, the larger legacy companies that have been around for a long time. The cloud you know it's uh, come a long way in recent years it's it certainly uh, shows up in everybody's marketing anymore when you look at at any of the the technology companies but it's it's really just a it's a a, an environment that brings a very uh, fluid a very low-cost form of uh, total ownership to organizations and and so uh, we are big believers in the cloud, and 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 think that it it we it, it advocates for the ability to react quicker to changes and demands of the market. It allows for uh, a much more cost-effective way for companies of all sizes to build large-scale technology solutions without building large-scale technology centers. You, you don't have to have big data centers with massive servers, and and you know. Large, uh, pe- large numbers of people that support those servers and infrastructure and, and all of the things to go along with that. It, it really Another strategy
0: to the level, level the playing field, field and, which and many market leaders use, is to invest in cross channel capabilities. To
1: all play in the, the same environment and, and really to capitalize on it to whatever extent they, they want to. But it's a very, very good environment that's doing a lot to level. The playing field for businesses of all sizes and, and bring technology to a lot of places before where it was cost prohibitive. By cross channel, we, we're referencing the ability to, to really control that customer experience. Uh, through the multiple channels or touch points that you have. So customers today, you know, may interact via, you know, a physical store or a telephone call, but but they're also interacting through your websites or it's in third-party, you know, e-commerce facilities through social media in some cases. And, and so as you look at the, the blending of all of those channels, those are all business channels and, and, and no single one replaces the other they just continue to expand so there's 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 probably even more that we don't know of yet but the ability to manage that customer experience across all of those channels and to create, you know, a, 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 a because keeping sense, track you know, of everything going on across marketing uh, channels really can feel really
0: daunting. It's, it's not going to Ken be says another play, strategy calm, that market leaders rely on, on is, play, is to focus on the fundamentals. Uh,
1: everybody, you know, today, as I said, it's a lifestyle. We, we're, we're looking for the flexibility of doing things the way we want to do them, and uh, we won't accept anything less. You know, it's it's uh, it's just how we, we we expect things to be. is another area where we saw really a, a, a strong gap between the middle market and the market leaders because the the uh, leaders and the, the merchant side of the survey the market leaders were really investing upwards of 35% in the in this whole concept of building cross-channel logistic capabilities and uh, that's a key component because products you, know, you have to have again the same information available across all those channels so it's important to have that product content source and it's important that it's integrated across all channels you certainly don't want you know a potential buyer or a customer to look at something on your website and then look at that same product in your online catalog and or look at that product through a a third-party merchant and see different information uh, that that you know, of course, uh, uh, loses that whole trust factor. So investing in the infrastructure and the capabilities of ensuring that you have consistent information across all of those channels is uh, you know equally as important as investing in the, the systems themselves. And then you know the, the the core fundamentals are you know the logistics behind uh, what happens after the buy, right? When even a, anybody that buys a product, that product at some point has to be delivered. So the logistics behind you know we have e commerce on the front. And end.
0: finally, he said to succeed in omnichannel marketing.
1: Manufacturers to, you know, and retailers must support each other in their efforts to build and your maintain e commerce capabilities. An and, and an so on paper, and, and these five strategies, strategies may appear to be an easy model, checklist. You know, but years. Ken
0: emphasizes Ken that developing an omnichannel marketing program is a major
1: undertaking. Uh, the, the key is this it's it's certainly all doable and it yes it's a it's an easy checklist but it's not an easy project it is a it is a full commitment from a company it requires vision and commitment from the executive level all the way down through the organization so companies have to really embrace this as you know a, a, a portion of their go to market strategies and they really have to have the the full internal commitment they have to be willing to to make the investments and making it successful and then you know looking at existing success stories and and best practices to say you know how do we do it but more importantly what do i do first and and then you know mapping out the process of how they get there because you're not going to you're not going to do it. Even all though creating an omnichannel marketing Everybody strategy is a big commitment Ken boots. stresses but that it's one company's
0: need to I take start? Because cross-channel commerce is not a futuristic concept, but rather one that is here now um, and here to stay. With that, I want to thank everyone for tuning in to this week's episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. And And I hope you'll join me again next week for another installment. Until then, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a pleasant and profitable week.